Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Right now, we welcome in John Schmelk, who is a podcast host, reporter, producer for the Giants, uh, my longtime co-worker here at The Fan many, many years ago. Matter of fact, Schmelk, before we get to the Giants, and I should say Schmelk is also a diehard Knicks fan, and you've heard him on with me plenty of times over the years talking both Knicks and Giants. Schmelk, do you remember where you were the last time the Knicks beat the Denver Nuggets in 2006 on the road? I don't remember where I was. Do you? No, because I was guessing that it's possible. Now, I do remember where I was, and I was like, hmm, it's odd, but maybe Schmelk was in a story with me at the time. Did you leave for the Giants yet in 2006? No, I I left um, in the June of 2007. So depending on what night that game was, there is a good chance I was actually in a story of that night, too. If it was a, uh, I guess that would be a Monday or uh, Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, I could have been there. Right, because you were off the other days or whatever during yeah. the night. I just remember, and it's possible because we had opposite schedules that I was there and you weren't, but I was like, oh, wow. And, you know, look, we used to watch the Knicks and talk about, you know, the crappy teams that were back then, whether it's Frank Williams earlier on or Michael Sweeney. And that particular team with Jamal Crawford, I remember after watching the highlight, I didn't know just saying, oh, the last time the Knicks won in Denver, who the hell could guess that? But then I saw the highlight where Crawford hit that shot at the buzzer late in the game there to give the Knicks that lead. I was like, oh, yeah. I remember where I was. I was in the fan newsroom. Maybe Schmuck was there. Um, yeah, anyway. and, and the funny thing, I, I thought a great trivia question. They had a, uh, they gave the starting lineup for that game with like Quentin Richardson. And it, was, <laughs> it was pretty good. Right, a bunch of guys that we have since forgotten for good reason. All right, anyway, maybe we'll get into the Knicks a little bit, Schmuck, a little bit later before we let you go. But let's get into the Giants. I mean, do you believe it? I haven't talked to you all season. Giants are 7-2 and two after 10 weeks going into a game where they are expected to win ahead of, of course, a huge matchup with the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. But just give me first your overall assessment on from where we're at last year and the way that things went under a different regime to where we are now heading into Week 11 with a 7-2 and two football team. Yeah, look, everything that went wrong last year has gone right this year. And I know a lot of people want to give you know all the credit to to the coach, and obviously Brian Dable's a lot to do with it, but a lot of it's luck too, right? I mean, like Saquon Barkley was not healthy last year. Saquon Barkley's healthy this year. 
Daniel Jones missed six games last year. He's healthy for six games this year. Uh, the field goals that were going in for opponents last year are missing for opponents this year. So, you know, and, and they just, and Sal, look, I was in a state of disbelief probably through mid-October, but at this point, they've done it enough times where they've found a winning formula and, you know, they're just doing such a good job playing situational football. Like, their defense is ranked like 18th or 19th in yards, right? But they're second and third down defense. They're second in red zone defense. And whenever they need a big play on either side, offense or defense in the fourth quarter, they're making it again and again. So it's making up for maybe some of those deficiencies we thought they had at the start of the year. And that's a credit to the players and the coaching staff for basically taking advantage of every opportunity that they've gotten. Uh, I just be careful saying this is a game they should win this week. The spread's pretty small. The Lions have won two straight. Uh, they've scored, the Lions have scored 27 or more points this year five times. The Giants have gotten to 27 points just once this year. So, you know, this is a dangerous game. The Giants, every one of their wins has been a one score game. They're seven and one in one score games this year. So they can, I, when we have callers on Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily show on Giants.com, and if someone calls and says, oh, this is a really, this is an easy game. We should win this one. My answer is invariably the way the Giants play. They can literally win every game on their schedule, but they can also lose every game on their schedule. That's how tight every game the Giants play is going to be just because of their style. Right. So now is that on the X's and O's and the scheme from the coaches going into each game, purposely playing close to the vest, running the football, trying to shorten the game? Obviously, you talk about the third down, situational football, whatever it may be. But is that by design, not opening things up with the talent they have? How much of that, the way that they play, the one-score games, close late, try to make the other teams beat themselves, how much of that is on the scheme and game plan going in from the coaches? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, Brian Dable would love to go in and say, yeah, we want to go beat the Texans by 21 points. But they don't have the personnel to do that. So, I mean, just look at the wide receiving core. Uh, I mean, they've basically been shuttling guys that they've picked up mid-season off waivers as their second and third wide receivers for, you know, much of this year. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins was in the building for like a week and a half. He ended up being basically their third wide receiver in the second half last week after Galladay had that drop. So, you know, and, and combine that where I think their run their offensive line is, is much better run blocking than pass blocking. I think they're afraid if they try to open it up too much, then, you know, maybe Daniel Jones are having turnover issues again. Um, you will have more three and outs. You'll give short fields to the other team. So yeah, this is the formula for winning that this coaching staff has found that works for this group of players, and to the players' credit, they're executing it. Right. That's perfectly said. Their plan for this group of players. Now, maybe that would change with different players moving forward. Oh, it would. It absolutely would, for sure. Uh, By the way, if you hung out with Dable, he seems like the coolest dude. I just want to, like, grab a beer or some dinner, or maybe go to a Ranger game with him. You hung out with Dable yet? I I have not hung out with Dable, but look, you know me. I I was there for, for Tom Coughlin, and... You know, that dude, I learned more about being like a responsible adult and being like a good worker and being prepared from him than anyone in my life except for like my dad. Like he, like that's the type of impact Tom Coughlin has on people that work with him. Um, but Brian Dable is by far the most easygoing and approachable head coach that's been there for the Giants. I got along with Joe Judge, to be honest with you. I had no issues with Joe. We got along. He was good to me. But, you know, Dable's, he treats everyone the same. You could be John Mara, you could be the guy in the cafeteria, you could be me, who works on, on the production side, a player. 
he just talks to everyone like they're a regular person, and it's 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 really really nice. Yeah, and that's what kind of makes me want to hang out with him. He seems like just one of the guys. Oh, and by the way, happens to be a great football coach. We're talking with yep. John Schmelk, podcast host, reporter, producer for the Giants, huge Knicks fan uh, as well. All right, you mentioned some. Spe- well, we'll get into some specifics. You talked about Daniel Jones and the idea that. The Giants, and and Schmuck, I mean, you would know this from years of working at the fan here and how it works. I mean, I say one thing that may be a minimal uh, criticism of (laughs) Daniel Jones, and I'm getting calls at 5 in the morning, people telling me I'm an idiot, how how dare I hate the Giants. I like Daniel Jones, and I think Daniel Jones has done a solid job this year in a different offense. I love his intangibles, but there are limitations to his game. What do you see from Daniel Jones? You've been around him since he's been drafted. Talk about the growth, the improvement, and the weaknesses potentially in Daniel Jones' game still. Yeah, look, I'll say the same thing about Daniel that I've said before. He actually has the physical tools to do everything you want. Like, he has a big enough arm to make all the throws. He's a good enough athlete to, to run. Obviously, he's been injury prone. That's something you worry about. You know, he's he's not like Drew Brees and Tom Brady accurate, but he's certainly accurate enough to be, you know, a, a good NFL quarterback. And he's done everything the coaching staff has asked him to do. Now, here's the thing. They have not asked him to do a lot this year in terms of putting the team on his back, right? You know, he, he completed 17 passes. He attempted, pardon me, attempted 17 passes last week, completed 13. He did not attempt a pass that traveled more than 20 yards in the air. And the Giants, I believe, last I checked, still have fewer pass plays that travel 20 yards in the air attempted or completed than any other team in the National Football League. That's not Daniel Jones's fault. That's by design, and that's because of what's going on at wide receiver, right? So could he do more and be better with better players around him? Yes. I'm going to go back to something Joe Shane said. And I've been thinking about this, this for the last couple of weeks since the bye. He, got, you know, he did his presser, and Joe Shane said, look, the great quarterbacks can be great when the other team knows they're going to pass they design plays to stop them, but the quarterback will complete the pass and drive the team down the field and score anyway. I don't think we've seen that enough yet this year. We've seen it in very small samples because, again, their style and the way they're playing, right? But I don't think we've, I don't think Daniel's proven he can do that again and again and again based on how they're asking him to play. And again, is that his fault? No. But I don't think he's proven that beyond a reasonable doubt. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I think that that's more than fair. And look, he's won games. I mean, that should be the number one thing. He doesn't have to do it the way that Patrick Mahomes or Josh yeah. Allen may do it. Now, eventually, you just get the feeling, and look, maybe it comes Thursday against Dallas. Maybe it's against Philadelphia later in the year. At some point, for the Giants to get to another level, you feel like they're going to have to open it up, or at the very least, win with Daniel Jones throwing the football down the field. And you, you, you gave the numbers there. You can't – look, if you don't have to do that, great. But you're not going to survive deep into the postseason if you don't throw the football down the football field. And that's something that Daniel Jones got to prove he could do, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the lack of wide receivers. We need to see him do it before I just all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, Daniel Jones is going to be the next Eli Manning. No, hundred percent. I'm with you. I think I think that's fair, and I think that's that, that's basically what what Joe Shane said in in his, in his own way too. And look, you're right. He's going to have to do it eventually. No, no team can go a season where you're not trailing at some point by like you know 14 points with 
five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Like, it's going to happen at some point. It happens to every team. And the Giants actually have had a few comebacks, right? That week one against Tennessee, uh, the Green Bay game, yeah. Baltimore. But they've, in a weird way, and if I, this is one of the things I still have trouble computing. Hmm. They managed to come back from two scores down in, in the fourth quarter against three teams that people thought were going to be pretty good, and two of them are in Baltimore and Tennessee, by running the ball. Like, that generally doesn't happen in the NFL, but the Giants have managed it, you know, because Saquon Barkley, quite frankly, has been so freaking good. Uh, you mentioned Barkley. Let's get to him next. Hey, last year, I would joke around and say, hey, he's ready for dancing with the stars as opposed to playing running back at the NFL because all he's doing is dancing behind the line. How much of it, and you mentioned that he's healthier this year. I mean, he was back healthy last year, but wasn't the same player. Clearly, he looks right now better yeah. than ever. How much of it is better line play? How much of it is the offensive scheme with Brian Dable there? How much of it just Barkley being, uh, you know, I guess, a completely uh, 100% healthy player? All three. Uh, he's definitely more explosive. He's definitely healthier. And I think, you know, people have said he's dancing less and he's more decisive. Barkley will fight you on that. I asked him that question, you know, week two or three. He, he was not thrilled with me for asking him that <laughs> question because he, because he doesn't think his, his style has changed much. Uh, and I think the reason he thinks that, and I think it's fair to an extent too, by the way, this is the best run-blocking offensive line by far that he's had. So in the last few years when he's been, you know, quote-unquote dancing behind the line of scrimmage, it's because he's, there's, been no, there's been no room to run. He's had to. Right. Guys are in the backfield, they're in his lap, there's no holes. This year there were holes. And the thing that impressed me most against that, about that Texans game last week, Sal, Quirr High and carries 35, over 150 yards, only one carry that went for 20-plus yards. It was a workmanlike five yards here, six yards there, five yards here, four yards there. And he just kept going. And he got dirty yards and dirty yards and lowered his shoulder. And I think that's what we've seen from him this year. And his blitz pickup, by the way, has also been a lot better. And then you mentioned the scheme. You know, so many of these NFL teams, oh, we're an outside zone team or an inside zone team. The Giants, and I, I, this is something I've talked to Saquon about and all the offensive linemen, they have every single type of run scheme play in their playbook. Gap scheme, band scheme, uh, power, counter, um, you know, outside, you know, uh, old Vince Lombardi, student body left, student body right, zone plays, everything's in the bag. And they can make adjustments throughout the game based on how the defense is playing to what part of that run game is going to work. And I think that's been a very underrated part of the run game this year is that they have so many options at their disposal that they can figure out a way to run it, even if they're not doing it well in the first half. They've had some pretty good second-half running performances because of that very reason. Yeah, and I love what you said, too, about the blitz pickup. That was something that was a clear weakness even in his yep. first year where he was good. And the other thing was the dirty yards. That was not there. It would always be all loss, negative yards, you know, no gain, a yard here, and then, boom, he'd break one and pile up that yardage. But this year, it's different. Like you said, those big plays could still be there but he's getting those dirty yards, which is something that we didn't see in the past from Saquon Barkley. Last one on him, Schmelk, and I want to get to the wide receivers. You think he's going to sign an extension here and be here long-term, Saquon? Look, he said he wants to be here. Uh, Joe Shane, you know, know, based on the reports that were out there, it seemed like, and based on what Saquon said himself, it sounds like the Giants are interested. So, look, economics, when they get involved, Sal, you never know. But usually when the team wants a player and the player wants the team, they'll figure out a way to get it done one way or another. So I bet, yes, I have no inside information, but right now, and a lot can change in eight games, right? Like, 
You know how it goes in football. A lot can change. But as of right now, if I had to bet yes or no, I'd bet yes. Talking with John Schmoke, podcast host, reporter, producer for the Giants. Getting into some Knicks and a few as well with Schmoke. But I want to finish up here with the Giants. All right, wide receiver. That's the big thing. Oh, Sal, Daniel Jones has no weapons. Giants desperately need wide receiver. Galladay stinks even when he comes back. They move Kadarius Toney. They're talking about Odell. First, let's start with Kadarius Toney. Why do you think the Giants moved a player with talent at a position that they clearly need help at. Yeah, you know, that that is still a bit of a mystery. Joe Shane and Brian Dable gave you nothing on that. There was clearly some kind of disconnect. Look, first of all, Kadarius Tony was hurt for a long time. Going back to last year, he comes back, has a hamstring, comes back, hurts his other hamstring. But at some point, it would appear that, you know, he got healthy at the very end because he was – kind of ready to go as soon as he got to the Chiefs. So it's still kind of unclear exactly what happened at the end of his tenure here. But look, they know they needed him. I mean, they knew he had a skill set that no other wide receiver had. But I think it was just one of those deals where it wasn't going to work out here. Um, the Giants' playbook is notoriously big, thick, complex, and complicated. Um, maybe Tony had a f- difficult time in you know figuring out, figuring out how to contribute within the structure of the offense. Again, that's just a guess. I don't know if that's true or not. But throw all those things into a pot, trust me, the Giants know they needed an explosive guy. They knew Tony had that ability. I think it's just one of those deals where it it had to be somewhere else and it wasn't going to work here. And I think it went both ways. I think it was better for the team and for the player uh, for him to move on and, and, and try it somewhere else. Yeah, and the way that I put it to callers when they're like, well, how could they give up Tony and look what he's done with Kansas City? I would say, do you trust Joe Shane? Well, yeah. Well, okay. Well, then let him let him make his moves because he's not stupid. To your point, they know they need explosive playmakers. And by, they- the way, Brian, and by the way, trust Brian Dable, too. You don't think that guy knows offense and right. what guys can really help him and then and what guys can't? Right. So there's got to be a reason. Whatever it may yep. be, there's a reason why he's on the move. All right, how about Odell? I mean, I... Look, it's not that I never liked Odell, but he was clearly selfish, immature the first go-round. I thought it was a great move by Gettleman getting rid of Odell Beckham Jr. It seems from afar that Odell has matured in the years since. The Giants clearly in a much different, much better spot as an organization. What do you think of the fit, and do you think that it's realistic to have Odell make a a return to the Giants? How about Odell suing Nike, though? It's it's always something, right? Yeah, really. What Um, what is that about? I don't even know what. Did they they put him in a spot where he couldn't earn more money or they lied to him about a contract or something? It wasn't clear. It was something with him getting guaranteed to be a signature athlete. I'm not sure if he was supposed to get his own shoe and maybe they never. It's it's unclear. But needless to say, it's just another thing that's there. Look, is it more possible now than it was last year? Obviously, because no one with the new regime has any connections to Odell from when he was here previously. Joe Shane said they'll examine it. Would I rule it out? No. Personally, do I think it's probably unlikely? Yes. You know, Odell has kind of intimated he wants a long-term deal. The Giants aren't exactly in a cap-friendly space this year. It's better next year. So I I just think there are too many obstacles to get it done, but would I rule it out? I would not. And do you think it would work here, both on the field and, again, who knows what the, especially this year, him coming back from injury, I I wouldn't expect explosive Odell the way that you remember him, but more so if you sign a long-term deal, do you think it would work this go-around, or do you expect more of the same where you see you know Odell being a little bit of a headache at times? Yeah, look, I, I would hope that he's matured a little bit going through everything he's gone through with, with the knee injuries and everything, and he'd be happy just to go out there and play. 
So I think it has a chance. I have not interacted or, or anything with Odell since his trade, so I don't know how much he's grown or changed. I do worry in a big market like New York, unlike being like in, you know, Cleveland, you know, more things would probably have a chance of happening. There's a bigger spotlight, blah, blah, blah. So could it work? Yes. Is there a risk that there's, you know, another circus? Sure. Which is why in the end, I, I, I'm, there's just such a good vibe around the team. I feel like injecting that big of a personality, there's some risk there. Now, is it worth the risk? Maybe. But to your point, second ACL, same knee, probably not the same guy. So you have to weigh that risk of the potential reward. All right, Schmelk. How about the Knicks? You watched that game tonight in Denver. Back-to-back win, just as we all wrote them off yet again. 145 points given up to the Thunder. The Knicks that you and I grew up loving would give that up in two games, 145 points. <laughs> so then you see them get a win uh, on the road in Utah after the players-only dinner by Randall. Randall was a stud last night with Ooh. his defense, 34 points. I mean, I look at this team and say the problem is R.J. Barrett can't shoot and Randall is inconsistent. What do you see overall why this Knicks team is inconsistent and at the moment, you know, a, a team that's just above 500? Yeah, and look, while it was a bad loss to, to Oklahoma City, and I get why fans are really upset, they were still a 5-6 and six team, and they were a team I think we all figured would be around 500 this year, right? So I wasn't one of the guys that was, like, freaking out about it. Um, look, I think the Randall... Barrett fit is similar to the old Carmelo Stoudemire fit, right? Well, I think they're both good players, but they don't really work together because to your point, neither guy shoots well enough. You know, Randall doesn't have the range. Barrett doesn't have a range, doesn't have the range consistently. And he's been just RJ, you know, people, Knicks fans hate Julius Randall and Tom Thibodeau when they blame them for everything, whether it's their fault or not. And I and I get why you want to play Obi Toppin more. So do I. His three point shots been great this year. Blah blah blah. I, I I'm, I'm with all that, but it has allowed R.J. Barrett's brutal start to this year to slide under the radar. He has been terrible um, offensively. His efficiency numbers are brutal. His defense hasn't been good either. But look, they just don't have enough shooting, Sal. And mm. you know, you mentioned ba- Barrett and Randall, and then they play that rim protecting center. Okay, so you're down to two guys in the starting lineup that maybe can shoot a little bit, and that's Brunson's one, and yeah, he's good, but he hasn't been hit threes this year either. And then Cam Reddish, who's been a nice story, he's still not a lights-out shooter. So, you know, they just don't have a lot of shooting, which is going to make it difficult to score. But the bigger problem this year has been their defense. You know, their offense is ranked in the teens. Their defense is in the 20s, which is atypical for a, a Tom Thibodeau team. And look, Thibodeau's defensive strategy is to clog the paint. So it's designed to give up some open threes, but their rotations this year have been worse than normal. So they've given up more open threes than usual, and they've gone unlucky. They've faced some teams that I think have just had really hot shooting days, like the Thunder, uh, the Celtics game early in the year. They had a hot shooting game, and I think that's kind of been something they've rolled into a little bit. So different issues than maybe we've seen in years past, but I think the same basic problems. Sal, they don't have anyone on this team, and this is the bottom line for the Knicks. They don't have anyone on this roster that's ever going to be the first or second best player on a really, really good basketball team. You don't even they got Brunson, a bunch of threes, Brunson fours, and five. Uh, Brunson can't be a two? On a championship team? I, I don't I don't think on a champion. I love Brunson. He's a really good player. Right. I think he's a three on a title team. Okay, fair enough. And I can see that. And he'd be a very good three. Yeah, a very good three. Right. Correct. 
I, I like them, but they're missing one and two. And their guys, yep. Randall and Barrett, not good enough. I mean, that, that's the problem. Yep. And we don't know if there's a way out. I mean, they had an opportunity for Donovan Mitchell. They didn't want to get him, or they didn't want to go all in to get him. And by the way, I don't blame them. Because I think if, if, they, if they emptied the cupboard like they were with Mitchell, they'd have one guy, but then how are you getting the second guy? So what are you doing here to fix this team? Uh, I don't think Nick Fan's going to like what I'm going to say. Um, I, I was always a bottom-out guy, and I think – even though Nick fans enjoyed it, that COVID season, I guess, what, it's two seasons mm, ago now? When probably they got the worst thing to happen, right? The false it hope. It is the worst, worst possible thing that could have happened to this franchise. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, but that was the season where they should have bottomed out. Somehow Julius Randle decided to become an all-NBA player for one season <laughs> by some miracle. They get Derrick Rose, who apparently found a time machine, and, you know, 2015 Derrick Rose showed up, and he was really good. And they rolled to the four seed. And they end up, and then, and then what are you going to do? Are you going to go to that off season and purposely tear down a team that just got the four seed? Like, I, I get why they should have, but it's just a really hard thing to do. So uh, then they're they're stuck in this limbo, and I don't think the front office has done anything egregious. You know, they could, maybe could have done a couple things better, but it hasn't been anything that's been like, oh my god, uh, they just traded two first round picks for Eddie Curry. What are they doing? Right, like, right. They haven't done anything like that. <laughs> But they're stuck in limbo, and now the price is so high to trade for a superstar because of that dopey Rudy Gobert trade that the Timberwolves are going to regret for the next 15 years that you almost – there's not going to be enough left after a trade, and, free, and stars don't get the free agents anymore. They all sign extensions. So the only way out of this, Sal, to be quite honest with you, is to trade everybody and bottom out and tank, yeah. and they'll never do it. James Dolan, I don't think we'll let him do it. I don't think Leon Rose wants to do it. But they already are plus four in first-round picks. And I'm, when I say trade everybody, dude, I mean trade quickly before you have to pay him. When he's at his highest value, same thing with Toppin, same thing with Grimes, Barrett, Brunson. You could probably net another five or six first-round picks for all those players. You and tank just, for just a couple start of years, you're, You tank for one. And look, that would be a pretty quick rebuild. This isn't like a 76 oh, or God. I mean, they've been trying the to rebuild for 20 years. Schmelk, it's been ongoing for over 20 nope. years now. But they have never truly bottomed out, Sal, on purpose like this. Well, they had so that one year, really... the, the RJ year. They were supposed to get yeah, the number one, one pick. One year. Well, th- think about it. If they lucked into, even if, and how many times the Knicks get screwed in this, even if they lucked into the number time. two, if they just lucked into the number two pick at the time, maybe we'd be like, oh, well, they miss out on Zion, but they, they fall into jaw. I mean, think about yep. that, how that would have changed everything. Well, dude, you can go back to the other day, the Porzingis. They, they win the worst record in the league. They should have gone Cor Anthony Towns that year. Right. So, I mean, look. I, I I know it sucks. I know things don't want to hear it, and they're never going to do it. So they I fell to four that year. Was that cloud. was that three with Porzingis? They fell to four or three. I believe that was. I believe Jaleel Okafor also went ahead of Porzingis, right? Right. So I think it was either three or four. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Right, I think but either it was way, three. Right, either so, way, they couldn't get well, lucky. Be the thing about it. You, you're really bad for a year or two, but you're going to be like plus eight first round picks. You have a chance, to, a real chance to get Victor Wembanyama or whoever, and this is a great draft. Even if you don't get him, there's other good players too. And then you, and then look, it's it's not it's not a five or six year process. You're actually back in it in probably two seasons. So right. again, it's never going to happen. But if you want a way out, that's your way out. It's, be- it's better than being in purgatory. All right, Schmelk, we appreciate your time as always. Podcast podcast host, what's the name of the podcast, Schmelk? 
Big Blue. Kick- uh, we got two. Big Blue Kickoff Live, our, our daily live show every uh, weekday at twelve thirty on Giants.com. And then we have the Giant Tuttle Podcast. Uh, find it at Giants.com slash podcast or your favorite podcast platform. And of course, huge Nick fan. And you got Thanksgiving, Schmelk. You'll be working on Thanksgiving. You'll be in Big D for Thanksgiving. Yes, I'm, I'm, my understanding is I, I've talked to my sources. I'm told that the that the Cowboy Media Room has excellent Thanksgiving food. So that is the one saving grace of, of not being home. How's that go over with the wife and kids? Ooh, that's a rough oh, one. Oh, not thrilled. Oh, yeah. that's well, a rough one. Well, dude, 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 here's the thing. So my, my wife is still going to, like, my sister's house at Thanksgiving where we usually celebrate because they want to see their nephews and, you know, my niece and I have the six-month-old. So they want to see the kids. But then she feels so bad that I don't get Thanksgiving. She's been cooking a turkey for me on Friday. So she kind of gets whacked twice in this whole thing. So yeah, it is it is not a Ooh. it is not a great couple of days for uh, wife Schmelk. And you guys fly back. Obviously, you fly with the team back Thursday night, right? Yeah, we'll probably land somewhere around two or three in the morning Thursday night. All right. I wish I could say, oh, turn on the fan, I'll be here. But hell no, I won't be here. I'm taking <laughs> off. What are you kidding me? Enjoy it, Schmelk. I, <laughs> I appreciate the time as always. Have a good Thanksgiving, uh, safe travels, and we'll talk to you at some point soon. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. Good talking to you, Sally. He is John Schmelk. Him and I go way back, started behind the scenes here many, many almost 20 years ago. Schmelk might have been here shortly before I was. And he might have been like the intern group before me. So I started interning January of 03, which, like you said, is going to be 20 years now. So going back a long time, him and I worked our way up behind the scenes. And Schmelk went on to work for the Giants. He's been there ever since, does a great job. And he's as good as anybody on the air as a guest with the Giants and even the Knicks. So love having him on. But that is a rough one. Thanksgiving, ooh. But it's not normal. Like, if you're expected to do that, I guess you could get away with it a little bit. Oh, you know the deal. You knew the deal when we met. I was going to work on Thanksgiving. That's what I do. This is just a random, uh uh-oh, Giants are playing on Thanksgiving. I'm not going to be able to be there. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.